Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. We're back with another week, another episode, another guest, and we'll ask you the same question. What do you do? Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? So my name is Kaylin Lamar. I am an educator and I'm also a teacher self-care coach. So I empower other educators by helping them improve their self-care practices and boundary setting uh, that is something that's near and dear to my heart because I personally experience burnout and I know what it looks like to, you know, be in a situation where you are it's kind of against the wall, you don't know what to do. And it's something that's that's not talked about a lot. So I feel like I have such a great understanding of self-care and boundary setting. And I love sharing strategies and tips with other educators. Yeah, well, I mean, it, then then the things that you have to say are, are absolutely imperative for uh, the moment and time that we're in, because, you know, obviously everybody's about to go back to school, and, you know, teachers, uh, many of them haven't been in the classroom. There's people who are fearful about um, COVID and what that has to, you know, br bring. Uh, who knows, like with kids, how are they coming back to the school? You know, what, how, how, how how's that going to affect um, how, how teachers feel? So, you know, like, what what do you think a school needs to do um, in terms of how it's going to treat teaching staff this year in particular um, to help <laughs> help everybody through uh, through their mental um, health and, and well being? Right, just recognizing the fact that we are in a pandemic. I feel like a lot of times that type of thing is overlooked or not discussed, kind of swept under the rug and let's keep going and act like nothing is happening. So it is very problematic when we don't take into consideration what's going on on the outside of the school building. And so recognizing that and, and making space, giving grace, uh, creating some type of you know, way for teachers to communicate and be in community with each other and lean on each other. It it would be amazing if all schools would incorporate some type of mental health check-in of some sort, as well as having administrators or school leaders that center wellness and center what it looks like for teachers to show up and re really deal with the day-to-day -day stresses of being an educator. So absolutely. And I think like if we're thinking about this issue of mental health in teachers, like the reality is, is that this was happening and this was something that people were struggling with far before the pandemic. Right. And so now finally we're having a conversation about it, but that conversation isn't necessarily leading to the sort of action, the radical action that needs to happen in order for the educators that are still here, because a whole lot of us then left, the educators that are still here to be cared for enough in order to be able to stay because we are a profession that is needed, is necessary, required, is essential. So talk about the like the realness that is what's going on in schools and how schools are treating their teaching staff by and large and, and what needs to change about that um, before the pandemic and moving in, into and through the pandemic. I love that question because it's real. Like the, the root of education is it... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not all, it's not as romanticized as society makes it. There's some ugly truths about, you know, teaching and what people have experienced as far as being in the classroom and dealing with students and dealing with the trauma that comes along with being an educator in general. I feel like we do not know <laughs> really how it's going to be to be a teacher until we get into the classroom, no matter what our teacher prep programs do, no matter how, uh, how much experience we have student teaching or whatever the case might be, we are never really prepared for what it looks like to actually be in the classroom and to live that life from day to day and what it's like to, you know, 
do that as well as be a mother or as well as being a father, as well as all the other hats that we have as, as people, as human beings. So what is really going on is that educators are dealing with toxic practices, toxic administrators. They're being gaslit consistently over time for a long period of time, uh, being silenced, actually not being in a safe environment that is conducive to them even feeling like they can be themselves in some way. A lot of educators kind of have to put on that mask before they go into the building uh, in order to just make it through the day. There are educators that don't get a lunch break. There are educators that don't get to go to the restroom as needed. And all these things are very problematic and it causes so much so much turmoil and so much stress and it on the body on the spirit like all all the way around and it's things that we don't talk about a lot which is why I love what I do I get to I get to hear these things but I also get to help educators come up with strategies in ways that you know systemically there are things that are going on but there are some ways we can help combat it now is that the is self care or setting boundaries, is that the end all be all? Is that the answer? No, it's not because really we need policy changes. We need some things that are really put into place to- Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that are put into place in which we are actually centering teachers and what they need. And it will be a domino effect. If your teachers are able to come in whole and feeling rejuvenated and feeling good, then then it bleeds over into the students. And then and that's who it's really about. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just and I, I, I hear you talking about, you know, what what's the underlying school culture? What, what does it feel like to be a part of a school community? Like, is, is it is the love in the building? You know, like the, 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 that power um, actually changes things. And, and I mean, I just, I hear the passion with which you're speaking about this. And it, it leads me to think that, you know, this doesn't just pop out of anywhere. Like, you know, something happened or, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you had experiences that kind of, that kind of led to this. So can you share with us, you know, what, what uh, the teaching profession, how, how you might've been harmed mentally and or emotionally um, in, in a, in a, you don't have to tell the school, you don't got to tell all the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I have been in the classroom since around 2014 at, in different capacities. So I actually was thrown into the fire at first as a long-term sub before I even knew what that looked like. I was a long-term sub from like November of one year into all the way to the end of that school year. So until May of that school year. And then I, uh, I didn't really know what was going on. I was doing my best and they, I ended up going back to school. And so I subbed while I was going back to school, getting my master's. So I had a lot of like classroom experience. So when I finally did get my official classroom, I was so excited. I was like pumped. I felt like I had all this experience in the classroom with students. And I just knew that I was going to kill it. Like I just knew that I was going to, you know, be able to touch these students' lives and all the things. So whenever I was you know, in the moment, I accepted the job, I started working. And of course, this was an area that I was not used to. Uh, it was actually 50 minutes away from my home. So it was a long drive just to get there. And then when I got there, I was met with, you know, feeling a little isolated because I came in mid-year in January. So everybody had already kind of made their own, you know, connections with the other teachers. So I was I was kind of a loner and uh, I had community, but they weren't physically in that building with me. So I also ended up having some children that had a lot of different behavior issues that I was not used to. And so it ended up being a situation where I started to dread going to work. I started to physically have you know, I didn't know the wording. I didn't know like how to describe it, but I just knew I just didn't feel right. My head would start to hurt. Like I had really bad headaches and I had never experienced that before. Um, I was even on the weekends, I would find myself kind of feeling like a zombie. Like I, I was there, but not there. I was uh, mentally just foggy, I guess you could say. So again, not knowing what's going on, but 
recognizing that it was like a correlation between how I was feeling and my job and how, you know, the students were, were acting or how my, uh, my situation being isolated, all those things started to play a, a really key role in it. And then on top of that, I was grading and I did not realize the intensity of what happens when you are giving assignments and you have to grade those assignments. And then when you're a high school educator, some people have up to 150 to 170 students and that's 170 papers to read. So that started to become you know, very difficult because I was not able to grade everything in class or or because I was working, I was teaching. So it was just really hard to juggle. And my work-life balance, I had none. I had no work-life balance because I was really work, 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 work. So I ended up, you know, I would say uh, I started that job in January. I would say by March, I had already started those signs to burning out. And then by April, I had completely burned out. And I think that that particular school ended in June. Uh, so by June, I was just showing up. Like I was just showing up. I was going through the motions and I was doing my best just to get through. And so again, not knowing what this was, just knowing I wasn't feeling right. Uh, whenever my administrator at the time, he, you know, how they come in and they'll tell you, okay, we want to renew your contract for the year. And he came and, you know, asked me to return. And at that moment, I kind of second guessed myself. But a couple of days later, after thinking, I just decided not to go back. And it was not for me. I, and it was not because of anything, you know, that the the like I didn't take anything personally, anything like that. I just knew that that wasn't the place for me because I don't think that I could have unlearned or, or you know, I, that it was just a place of trauma. Honestly, it was a place like whenever I just saw the building, it was just like, no, you know, so I ended up uh, discovering over that summer and, you know, like the word, like what it meant to burn out and and the, how I was feeling was anxiety and like really get, gaining an understanding of what that looks like. And I started to research self-care and develop different strategies that will help me. So that way, when I started my new job, that upcoming school year, I already had things in mind that I wanted to do. So again, this was something that was is near and dear to my heart because of the journey that I've had um, from that from that moment, not really realizing it at the time, but it was really laying the groundwork for the work I'm doing now. I mean, that's so powerful. And as someone who is early in my teaching career, it's so important to hear those stories because some people don't even have the language for what it's called that they're feeling. And it doesn't feel normal. And it also feels like, okay, but I'm a teacher. Like there's already a picture and an archetype of what a teacher is supposed to look like, how a teacher is supposed to speak, how excited a teacher is supposed to be coming into the classroom. And so I'm just trying to, I just want you to, to kind of delve into like, what did you wish you knew? Uh, excuse me, before um, you became a teacher, before you stepped into the classroom in the capacity that you did, which, what information do you wish that you had? I wish I knew what it uh, what it would be like in its totality. Like I wish I would have known the hours I would spend grading. I wish I would have known the expect the unspoken expectations that administrators have for educators. Like a lot of times they assume that you know if they ask you to be on a committee, it's it's not really. It's like you feel the pressure to say yes. Uh, in saying no, it's kind of like a target gets on your back. Oh, she's the person that says no all the time. Oh, well, we might not renew her. And kind of like the, and I see what I, I've heard the, the term job scared, but we see in education, people are job scared, literally. Uh, and then the politics behind a lot of schools and, you know, I know public school, charter school, you know, they all have their thing, but really how how it looks for somebody to come in with a, a certain amount of education and all the things. And then somebody else come in with not as much education, but they would be the one that would be pushed up the ladder really fast. And then this other person is down here, you know, and nobody's noticing what they have going on or they're noticing and they're using that person <laughs> to, you know, to help them out. So it, it's just the, 
the overall the true culture of education because again society has romanticized it so much to the point where we really is like oh it's all rainbows and sunshine and it's really not the case there's a lot of uh a lot of kind of backhanded comments and you know sly remarks and all the things that you know we don't talk about so i just really wish i would have known what I was really getting into, because like I said earlier, my, my teacher prep program, the, even the experience I had as a substitute and the experience I had uh, as a long-term substitute did not prepare me for what it looked like to actually take control of a school, of a classroom. Yeah. So it, it, there's so much there in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the preparation that, that goes into to being a teacher. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I got to watch it, you know, from the outside looking in um, as as Eva was going through her um, teacher prep program to, over the course of the, the, the pandemic. I was kind of like listening in to, to hear, you know, what it was. And, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, OK, this sounds good. You know, but then you, you don't know what you don't know until you get in the classroom. So I've also got to hear on a very day-to-day -day basis, um, you know, like the challenges, uh, you know, associated with, with the, you know, first year teacher and then, you know, with the other teachers that have been there for five years of thinking. And, um, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely, definitely difficult. And so, you know, you're helping people, you know, do, do their own, you know, personal and, and internal work. And you talked to, you know, a little bit about what, what systemic change, you know, looks like and, and wishing that the schools, you know, would put, policies in place that 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 better um stood up for for teachers um health health and well-being let's let's put some meat on those bones like talk to me a little bit about what that would look like you know what 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 would what would the systematic changes be um in a school building if you got to write you know exactly what it's going to look like for your entire district um or for your entire state or for, you know, for the entire country Oh, wow. I love this question because it allows me to freedom dream and I love freedom dreaming. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so one of the first things I feel that is so important is that we as educators, we all deserve mental health days. We all deserve time not just to go to the doctor, not just to go, you know, uh, to different appointments. We need mental health days in which you're not trying to look at where I'm at on social media and figure out if I'm, you know, actually sick or not sick and all the things. Mental health days are think is something that it, it would really benefit the teacher because they'll be able to just take a day off and with no type of guilt. And a lot of times when we take days off of work, we feel guilty. We have to find a substitute. We have to do all, all the things in order to even just get that day off or we have to explain ourselves, which is also problematic, but explain ourselves. Well, why are we taking this day off? Uh, so I would start there. Mental health days. I would I would love to to say even if it was just, even if we started off as like once a month, like that would be amazing. Uh, something else I feel like we should definitely, you know, change is. Although I love social workers and I love, you know, what they do. And I know that they're there for the kids. I, I, like in my school in particular, we don't really have anyone there for the kids besides a social worker. And I wish that uh, instead of the teacher having to use the social worker as a therapist or as a, you know, some a shoulder to lean on, if we teachers had someone where if we were in crisis, if we were really having a breakdown or meltdown, because that does happen, there are days where we show up and we're, you know, dealing with things outside of school or a student comes up to us and tells us something and we're just really, you know, distraught and dealing with things. If we had someone a mental health professional that we could go to and just really release and have that conversation right then instead of having to wait until Thursday at four o'clock for the therapy appointment, I could go right then and get what I need in that moment because there's something about, you know, doing it right that second that just, it just makes things feel a little bit better and not so heavy. Uh, so that's definitely something that I, I would love to see implemented and if I could say a third thing, I really would just say, you know, if there was some type of 
like wellness, like whole school wellness, because uh, we do focus on student wellness and that is important. Please don't get me wrong. But the whole school is, you know, it, it's not just the students. It's not just the teachers. If we were to come together and really in community and, and see what it looks like to actually be well, having those uh, check-ins with each other and just really, because I really am a firm believer in if the students see the adults modeling it, then they it, it makes it kind of real and more tangible for them. So everybody going and, you know, going and, and having these conversations about mental health and having these conversations about, you know, what it looks like for them to to go through struggles and, you know, having real vulnerable conversations. So those are three things. And of course, I could just go on and on because. This is a this is like, you know, you're opening Pandora's box because it's Absolutely. so much. We just need it's so much that could be done. I, I mean, I 100 percent agree. I, I'm just thinking about like even even the comments that we get from people who are not teachers in our lives around, oh, you'll get these so many days off and you listen here. I'm not I'm not I'm not counting nobody's books. Like I'm got 82 lives just that I'm holding. That's a different type of energy. I'm not taking away what you do. I'm just saying. And so there's a certain level of um, understanding that needs to be had in a societal standpoint in order to understand why these systems need to be changed. Because I think that when teachers begin to advocate for these sorts of things, like you already get all this time off, you already get the summer, you already get, yeah. But half the summer I'm spending thinking about what I'm going to do next year. And half the summer I'm thinking about how I can better my practice to do this, this, and this. The good teachers, at least. Right. And so the teachers that are great and that are fantastic and that are doing the work consistently because they understand the, 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 the power in the work that they do. Um, it is integral that those mental health days be be um, implemented. And I'm so thankful for finding the Instagram teachergram community so early in my career because absolutely did I take mental health days. Hey, sorry, I don't feel well today. I will see y'all tomorrow probably. Like, and I, because I needed it. And so I can say that like having an ICT classroom is was the most helpful thing in the world because if you have to go there's already someone automatically there and there's less of that guilt and so i think like in terms of systemic change as well if we start to think about how we set up the classroom in a way where those mechanisms are already in place because then when one teacher has to leave the other teacher already knows what to do they're already ready they're already prepared and so although that works for the the students it also works and supports the the needs of the child and so like with talking about systems in plain English, what would you want to say to students, to families, and, and to school leadership and, and policymakers? What would you want to say to them as it pertains to why um, teachers need grace and as it pertains to why um, you have to think about the educators' mental health just as much as you have to think about the students? Right. So imagine being, being a light bulb. And every day you come in and, and, and you, somebody flips, somebody flips the light bulb on, right? As teachers, we are expected to be the light bulb. We're on, 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 on. And nobody ever turns, takes the time to turn it off. That light bulb can't rest. That light bulb eventually does what? It stops working. It burns out. So teachers want to show up for their students. Most teachers that go to school, it's not to be an educator. It's not for the money. It is not for the days off. It is because they genuinely have an interest in teaching students in some way, shape or form. So I just really wish that everybody understood that when teachers show up, they are showing up despite the things that they're dealing with at home. They are showing up despite the personal, you know, feelings of, hey, I just I just lost a student or, hey, I just lost. But I'm still showing up or, hey, like really realizing the the stresses that teachers go to, through on a daily basis and like not weaponizing it like, oh, you have you have summers off like that's really 
so aggravating to hear because it's like you don't realize that summer is not just when teachers are resting and they don't do anything else summer i call it recovery mode especially after last year and the year before like recover 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 because we really pour so much into our jobs and uh, we a lot of times negate what we have going on we put all of that to the back burner to show up and to be that light for so many students so many other educators that are looking to us especially like if you're a veteran teacher and you're in some type of leadership position like you have students and teachers looking to you so it's it's something that i i feel we all should really realize where if the teachers are showing up whole it's a win-win situation. Like if the teachers are focusing on their wellness, yes. you can't yes. lose. You can't lose because everybody's affected by it. And the school as a whole will, you know, succeed and be impacted in a positive manner if we just, you know, allowed the allow the teachers to be able to prioritize themselves in some way, shape or form. And that looks different everywhere. And I always say self-care is not one size fits all. It's not, you know, it's unique. Uh, and finding ways to allow teachers just like the, the autonomy to like, just kind of show up as they, as they are and dealing with what they are going through being vulnerable and all the things, but also, you know, recognizing that they are not just the teacher. They are also somebody's sister, somebody's brother, somebody, you know, just realizing teachers are people, not robots that just are there to, you know, give out information to students and grade and rinse, wash, repeat, all that, you know? So a lot of times that's what I feel like. I feel like people don't realize that we are humans. And I just really wish that that was kind of unpacked. Like, why is it that way? Well, if for anybody who tells you, you know, oh, but you got summers off, I don't normally go around telling people to shut up, but tell them I said, shut up. Like, you know, <laughs> send them my way and tell them I said, be quiet. Or not even shut up. Come you do know. my job for a week and tell me I don't deserve a summer off. Even better. Even exactly. better. Even better. Like it's it's just it's just not a reasonable uh, thing to to say to a teacher with the understanding um, that that they get to work probably earlier than you and they finish up later than you for for those ten months you know out of the year. And to Eva's point, you know, it's I, I I'm I'm even I talk multiple times a day, so I know that she's already planning for her her, her school year. Um, so it, it it's no nobody is like sitting back maxing and relaxing all all mm -hmm. summer, and it's just a it's a silly um, thought for most people to 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 come up with that. Um, you did mention something else um, there, and 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 you know you, we, I know that you are um, a single mother to you know to to a young child, which is just an important part. There's there's plenty of teachers out there um, that are in that exact same situation. Um, how do you talk to her about this? Like how do how do you you know like if it, it, on on your own day that you come off and you know the energy's just not there. You know that the classroom mm -hmm. was crazy and wild, and you know you got a bunch of stuff to grade, and you know you're not you know all the way there. You're yourself um you know how, how do you like come home and 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 share you know with your young one the, the importance of her own mental health and and kind of you know shielding her from the from whatever craziness is going on in the building yeah so my daughter she's seven and when i tell you just one of the smartest little girls like not just not just tooting my own horn but like mm -hmm. he's really uh more mature than a seven-year-old she I, and honestly people have said are you sure she's just seven yes i'm sure she's just seven but she picks up on things she knows like it's like she she has that sense she knows when i'm coming home and she's like what's wrong and i am just really honest with her i let her know i had a rough day i'm still processing what happened at school uh can you just give me one minute so I might go get in the shower, come back, and I'm like, okay, I had my time alone. You know, kind of describing to her what that looks like. So I'm modeling that for her, letting her know I I need a little alone time. But when I come back, we're going to do this. Or, you know, I promise you we can watch a movie, whatever the case might be, whatever she wants to do, because she loves making cookies, all, all of that fun stuff. So I just know that if I don't take that small little five, 10 minute, 
you know, opportunity to pause that I'm going to start to take things out on her. And that is the absolute last thing I want to do. Mm. And I know what it feels like to feel overextended. And I, it's like that rubber band, right? Keeps getting stretched out and I'm about to pop and I don't want to do that. So really just being self-aware of how I'm really feeling, like not how, not, you know, how people say, how you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. No, like, how are you really feeling? And really recognizing what I can do in that moment, even if, again, if it's for a short period of time where I can just like kind of recharge just for a little bit to make it through the rest of the day. And then when I do have those longer periods of time, like the weekends or a long, you know, vacation, whatever the case might be, I'm really able to unwind. But I really uh, pride myself on like integrating those things throughout the day instead of waiting until it's too much and too heavy for me to carry. Uh, but as, as, uh, as I model that for her, um, you know, communicating with her what's going on. I'm letting her know that sometimes people do have bad days. And when you have a bad day, you can't just take it out on other people. You have to figure out, hey, you know, I had a bad day. Let's talk about it. Let's let's because she'll ask me. So what happened? And sometimes that's what I need. And I'll talk to her and she'll just listen. And she'll they shouldn't have done that at school. And I'm like, I know. And I tell them my seven-year-old wouldn't even do that, <laughs> you know, and I just let her know. I talk about her at school. <laughs> so, you know, uh, these, the kids are looking to us, no matter if they're seven, three, all the way to 18, they're all looking to us. And it's so important. And the older I get, the more I just remember things that, you know, my mom did and that her mom did. And it's just really, you know, amazing to see, the the shift in self-care especially for black women or the you know because we they don't taking care of yourself as a black woman is really unheard of because it's you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to be this for everybody you know and so it's also why you know i want her to be a black woman that takes care of herself and prioritizes her wellness if she's not feeling good i want her to tell me she's not feeling good so we can go to the doctor or if she you know needs a little extra time because she's you know you know in in a, having a moment i'll give her that little extra time and then we can come back to it but just modeling for her but also communicating and giving her the opportunity to, to decide what she needs as well and to tap into self-awareness and, you know, all these things. And she might not really understand what's going on, but she the foundation is being laid. I mean, so, 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 so important and connects so beautifully to, to what we wanted to talk about next is that we just wanted to get into like, you made it very clear your ability to take care of yourself and better understand your social and emotional health. That makes you a better mother. Talk about how teachers who practice self-care and, and, and are honing in on their social emotional learning, how does that support them as an educator? Right. So again, like back to earlier, we are whole beings as educators. We're multifaceted. We have certain interests. We, you know, everybody is different. Everybody and and I always, you know, say because some some people think men can't partake in self care or that you know men women everybody can do this because it's yourself it's what you need it's how you know how you feel grounded and what that might look like for you so I feel like when teachers really take a take a look and and unpack what they need and how and ways in which strategies or whatever it looks like for them they use that that and they are moving forward with self-work and inner child work and all of these other things then instead of showing up as fragments they're able to show up whole they're able mm. they're able to you know to really be who the students need in those different moments and the different situations that they might go through. Because, I mean, you, you as a person, you have choices and all these choices have consequences. But if you continue to walk around fragmented, 
you can't blame anybody else but you in, in a sense because you haven't taken the time to do the work you haven't taken and because it's like you're focusing on everything else but not focusing on you and so just really recognizing the correlation there is to teachers well-being and student well-being because the students they pour, they draw the energy off the teacher. You know, they are able to, they recognize when their teacher's having a bad day and, or when the teacher starts to pick on, you know, pick on them or might be snappy with them and things like that. And I know I've heard it before in the past. Oh, such and such. She's, oh no, y'all don't want to mess with her today, <laughs> you know, because they, they know. And so, and not to say things won't happen, but you don't want that to happen every day. You don't want to be the teacher that's just like walking around counting down until retirement, right? You want to actually teach and actually build strong, solid relationships with your students. So I know I said a lot, but I hope I answered your question. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I love the fact that, you know, you, you, you talked about, you know, a, a little bit about like therapy and stuff and, and particularly, you know, it, it's among black people in general, you know, black women, black men, it, it's, I think it might be even more taboo, you know, a, a, around black men because of this, you know, toughness and I don't need to tell and, you know what I mean? And, and, and I don't want to have to, you know, start digging inside things that, that might actually make me shed a tear, um, you know, like that, that's just not something that, that, that black men are traditionally conditioned to do. Um, and just, you know, for whatever black male educators are out there listening, like it's, um, and, and I'm not a classroom educator, but I am somebody who has recently started down the, the therapy journey. I did it before when I was younger and then I kept saying I needed to do it and didn't do it. And, and I started down a journey and it just, it, it reminds you of, of, of things. It, 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 uh, it, it opens up, you know, your, your, your head, it opens up your heart. It, it just, it allows you, um, to, to start to be a, a better version of yourself and, and anybody who's not, um, you know, you, if you let it all just stay in there and stay stuck in there, you know, it, it's that's the way to cancer. <laughs> you know, it's it's the it's the way to to sickness. You you got to get it out. Um, and, and for us as black people, it, it's 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 we're not only holding our own, like we're we're holding these generational you know curses, this generational pain. And 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 if we want our next generation to be the way that that we talk about the way that we want them to be, it's it is imperative that we find ways to 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 release this mess um and so you know sometimes it's going to take a, a while to find you know that good therapist that you know what i mean i've heard people um going to therapy and like oh i tried that you know oh i tried that and it's just like well you know okay so it didn't work so you just stopped it's like you know you you tried to take a bath yesterday and i hope you tried to take one today too um you know like if if, if something does that's not a good example around working but um <laughs> if something doesn't work <laughs> if, if your kids you know start a, a walking and they keep falling you, you don't let them stop at i tried that you know what i mean they have to keep on trying to walk um and and we have to keep on trying to to, to heal so that's something much better Ooh, much better analogy. <laughs> the other one is good for another situation but <laughs> but um you know we're we're, we're starting to kind of you know get towards our, our the, the tail end of our discussion and, and you know you you've you've definitely shared a, a whole bunch of things um I, I want you to help you know to 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 you know kind of finally arm teachers with with some of the things that we hear is like you know, kind of major road roadblocks um, for for people's you know self care. One, people oftentimes don't know how to set boundaries. You know, within within their their relationship with their with their school. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, something as simple as how to negotiate their own salary and and, and things like you know, it's it's people feel sick when they find out that oh the other teacher makes more money or things to that effect. So you know, if you can you know kind of let people know a little bit about the, uh, you know, how they can handle some of those things as, as we go into this uh, new school year. Right. So boundary setting is something that I feel like a lot of people do naturally in their own way, but they don't realize it's setting a boundary. And so I remember back when I was younger, there was just 
this that I would be able to say no in different situations. And, you know, all my other friends would be like, girl, let's go do this. I'm like, no, I'm good. Because I knew what they were doing was not linked to what I what I needed to be doing. It might not have been a great you know, decision for them. And so like, that was my moral, like my moral compass, what I just genuinely just did not want to do in that moment. And I was setting, it was, it was a boundary uh, because I was not allowing myself to, you know, kind of go down that path or do something like I, I was standing firm in what, what my thoughts and beliefs were. So there are times in which we as educators especially don't realize the power of of our voice and we go against that moral compass or we go against what's our it's internally you know built within us like for instance an example of a boundary would be for an educator to you know have a boundary around communication let's say uh students can only communicate with me from this time to this time Okay, so in our heart of hearts, we know that a student texting us at 11.30 p.m. is inappropriate unless it's an emergency, right? Or even them having our phone numbers, like it's it's something that it's your personal, you know, thought process. Obviously, you get to it however you want to. Some people are okay with that. But if it's something that, you know, you recognize and you're like, oh, should I be doing this? Or, you know, or you start questioning yourself or, or questioning whether or not um, you like how you feel about it, really. Like, what are my feelings behind this? Does it make me uncomfortable? Uh, do I really have the capacity to do this? Like questioning those different things and really taking the time to unpack maybe if, you know, why is it is it personal preference or is it really causing me harm? Is it, you you know, uh, because a lot of times, especially like school leader to teacher relationships, some of the things our school leaders do really causes us harm. And 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 like the example I gave earlier about, you know, asking them to be on asking someone to be on a committee. Well, you don't you don't know sometimes how much just the way school leaders ask questions really pushes educators into a corner. And they're like, I know I have a family at home and I know I have this, but if I say no right now in this moment, what's going to happen? Is he going to be mad? And is he going to, you know, turn this into a, you know, a a bashing session and which, you know, they don't, they don't want to renew my contract. You know, all of these things start going into teachers' minds. And so really, I, I want all educators to know that, they are, I know Rakim says this, they are the asset, right? They are, I want teachers to know that they, they should know their own words. And if you are in a toxic situation, a toxic environment with administrator, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to settle. You don't have to deal with it because you can find a school that is more conducive to what you need. And a lot of times we are loyal to these schools, but these schools not loyal to us. If we leave tomorrow, they're going to be, you know, finding a, somebody else. They're gonna, your job will be posted by the time you walk out the door. Talk about it. <laughs> so just really, you know, vocalizing your needs, realizing what your capacity is and not just in your mind what it is, but like saying, no, I don't want to do this because, or you don't even have to really explain yourself. Facts. Facts. <laughs> My favorite one this year has been, I don't have the capacity to do that well right now. Yes, I don't. And and that's okay. And with the students as well, setting boundaries with them. You know, I know you want your grade in the grade book as soon as you take this test, but look, I'm not fixing to grade your test right now. I'm not it, fixing to, <laughs> no. At the end of the year, I had a kid hand me something in four months late talking about some so you gonna grade it now oh. no i'm gonna grade it in four months i'm gonna grade it in four months How right. About that? right what's wrong with you no it's, it's so true and think about why he said that because guess what teachers have done that for him in the past you know and it's a sense of that entitlement and also oh, teachers have done that in the past and leaders give you this give them this 
preconceived notion that that's their job. Go right. send it to them. Go give it to them. And if and if the leaders in the school have the, the students feeling like the, the teachers work for them. No, I work with you. I don't work for you. Right. And so that that comes into play around boundaries. And again, have to shout out teacher ground because I wouldn't have been armed with this stuff before yeah. walking into the classroom had I not been tapped into this community. So it's so, so important because I know how many people are sitting up writing curriculums right now for not getting paid nearly enough of what they would have paid so-and-so to do it mm -hmm. because there's a level of, well, they'll say yes, because because in order to, to feel good in this space, you have to be well-liked and you have to be ready to say yes whenever, however. Yeah. And listen, I'm just I'm just not that girl, I'm sorry. Yes, I love it. And like you said, like you are like, although I'm sure you've had moments in which you were like, wait, that kind of caught me off guard just a little bit. But you have more, you know, access to teacher grammar. You are able to like see what that looked like. And I just really wish more educators would tap into the community, man, because it's it's amazing that the, the this is the real PD, the yes, real PD, the this gym. podcast. Rockham Teacher Talk Live, like all of those, play Chris Emden, all those people, um, Dr. Angela, like everybody who is in this space, they are doing the real professional development, which is really showing you what it is that you need to be doing on a social side, on a political side, on an economic side, keeping your bag. Black girls teach. Like there's just so many people out there who are setting educators up for success in the classroom even if you are in a school that might not be where they need to be yet that is it that that is important for that school to get there but it's also important for the individual educators in the space to be able to have access to the information that will let them thrive and in in the midst of all the craziness right so real so real true, true, true. so, so i mean you drop so many gems oh you gonna say the same thing? Uh, I was definitely gonna get there. I, I was gonna say because of those gems, we need to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with her. Um, you know, and, and and also, you know, let people know how they can support you. Like, you know, what I mean, we, we we want um to. Uh, this is a community where where the same way people have poured into to Eva, um, and the same way people have poured into me, uh, we want them to pour into you. So, you know, please let people know how to get in touch with you, and in what ways that you know people could provide support. Right. So I recently launched a website this summer, which I'm so proud of. So you can find me at KaylinLamar.com. I have freebies there. I have a, a shop and I, I launched at the same time that I launched my website. I launched uh, Self-Care University, which is my merch line. So there's hoodies, there's shirts, mugs. So all that can be found at KaylinLamar.com. I also blog as well. So I bi-weekly, every other Friday, I post the newest blog. And most of that is centered around self-care in the classroom, what that might look like, giving tips and strategies. And I, I am also on Instagram. So I post a lot on Instagram, but my blogs really take a, you know, a more deep look at what, uh, what it might look like to show to for a teacher to implement these things in their classroom and so i am also like i said on uh on instagram on facebook kaylin lamar and i really love instagram the community there i go live quite often so you can catch me there i am always collaborating with other educators so that is something that's at the forefront. So sometimes it might be a Monday night, a Tuesday night. <laughs> Just hop on. If you tap into my Instagram, more than more than likely you'll see me as some in some way, shape, or form, uh, going live and having candid discussions. So that's pretty much where you can find me. And I really appreciate you guys and the work that you are doing in centering you know, my voice, as well as the voice of so many other educators and truly having these discussions that are so important and so necessary because we don't have these conversations. Like, I promise you that 
if I would have, you know, been armed with these things and been tapped into black on black education before I went into the classroom, it would have been a whole different situation. Like I spoke to earlier about the burnout and going through things. So this is a full circle moment for me because I did attend uh, several of your events uh, when that pandemic first, you know, started happening. And you guys, y'all were just you know, <laughs> given the business and I was just so in awe. So just thank you guys for this opportunity. And I truly appreciate y'all more than you'll ever know. Oh my goodness. Thank you thank so you much. My words. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now that you have told folks where they can tap into you and connect, somebody else is going to have that same full circle moment uh, with the work that you are doing to support educators in their self-care. So, I mean, we are making the connection back to our, our last question. It's always the same. We are now the interviewee and you are now the interviewer and you get to ask us a question. I really want to know, like... And I, I want to know what you guys want your legacy to be because y'all are doing some impactful work. And I'm just curious, like the, like what what do you guys want everybody to remember about Black on Black education? Mm. You want me to start or you want to start? Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, like honestly, what I I don't think a lot about my individual, you know, legacy, and and when I think about Black on Black education, sure, sure, even I, you know, started it, but you know, we we want this to be something that's a, a ultimately household name as a result of what happens, and and you know, if if people talk about Black on Black ed and don't know that it's Eva and Jamal, I'm perfectly fine with that. There's about a lot of people who order stuff from Amazon and don't know who Jeff Bezos is from a you know can, can of paint. So something that has had has a profound impact on um, our culture developing. Uh, well, our culture already has a love of learning, but the, where, where we expand it and we, we expand the um, effect that it has in creating the type of communities that we all want to live in. And I mean, for me, those of you watching on YouTube, my dog is very much needing to go out. Uh, but for me to kind of just wrap the conversation up, I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with my dad. I don't need anybody to to specifically quote me. Like, I just want for it to be a legacy, for it to be something that's passed down from, from generation to generation. And what is being passed down is a love of learning, a commitment to education, a commitment to Black people, and an understanding that if we want to build wealth, if we want to economically get to where other populations of people in this country are, then it is important that we always look back. We always give back. Rakem always says you should always, you should at least once in your life be a mentor and be mentored. I think that that is what the, is at the heart of Black on Black education is creating community, creating opportunities for mentorship and learning and knowledge to be transferred um, together. So I, I, I want that to be our legacy. I want folks to remember us as people who decided um, that the education system needed to change. And so they decided they were going to be a part of doing it. Come on. Yes. I love it. I love it. Thank y'all for answering that and being so vulnerable and open about the vision that y'all have. It's such a great thing. I, I'm i just grateful for this whole conversation. True story. True story. We definitely, <laughs> definitely appreciate you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much, Kaylin, for being here with us. We, we, we uh, you know, I, 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 I'm feeling warm inside um, yes. after, after such a rich conversation. So um, that's another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. Um, tune in again next week. We appreciate y'all. Say bye, Chadwick. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>